0: Hey brokers, it's Mark Summers, president of AIM. I'm excited to announce that I will be the new host of AIM's podcast, Broker to Broker. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators, just like me. Download today, available on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by Class Valuation. They are a committed partner to the broker community and are constantly innovating ways to improve your experience, including live appraisal status updates using FastTrack Pro and live turn times by county. Check out your local turn times at fasttrack.classvaluation.com using your appraisal scope username and password to log in. And because Class Valuation is an AIM partner, members can get real-time support through the AIM Escalation submission form. Class valuation works hard to make sure your borrowers make it to the closing table on time. Not connected? Email us at partnerships at aimgroup.com. Welcome, everyone, back to another edition of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I'm the president of AIM. I uh, always get extremely excited about doing these, uh, these podcasts just because... Listen, we have great guests, uh, great, great members of our community, and we got another one today. So today I'll be uh, interviewing the broker owner of Lending Heights, Jason Checo. Jason, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped.
0: Good, good, good. No, I know. Uh, you know, a lot of people kind of. I, you put a Facebook post out there, and uh, I know some people responded, and they responded to me separately, saying they're really excited about this one. So let's get started. I love to hear how people got started in this industry. Give me give me the background of you, your company, how you got started. Give me the whole nine.
1: Sure. Um, I think ever since I was like four years old, I wanted to be a mortgage broker.
0: Yeah, right.
1: I know. I'm joking, right? <laughs> I, I talk to people about it all the time. There's never a mortgage person that says, you know, I was that kid in kindergarten that, you know, drew a mortgage broker and put it on the wall. You know, and all, the, all the other kids were doing astronauts, doctors, lawyers. I want to be a mortgage broker. <laughs> Never happens. It's 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 really funny about everyone. Everyone I talk to in the industry about it, it's great. Um, but on that note, I think you know the mortgage industry kind of found me. To be honest with you. Um, so my background is in engineering. I went to uh, went to Penn State, um, Penn State engineering, and it was probably about my like junior year, maybe senior year. I realized like you know this this isn't right for me. You know I don't want to be doing this. Like you know numbers are numbers yeah, I get it, but like I it just, it just isn't for me. Um, and actually one of my college roommates, his father owned a pretty big mortgage company. And, um, I graduated in like December of 2000 and 2010, January, 2011, I had my NMLS license and that's a great one. All everything changed. They put me on the sales floor, gave me a whole list of streamlines to call, went through it and never turned back.
0: (laughs) Wow. And then from there. Yeah. That was back in the day that right, right around that 2011 mark is when our industry was going through drastic changes
1: oh yeah i remember being on the sales floor and everyone's like oh man it stinks for you you never you're not gonna see yield spread you even know what that means and all those things and i was in there just like you know but it's whatever is all i know we're just gonna you know go through these streamlines and rock and roll and then move forward but yeah from there um it was an awesome experience there you know i got to learn a lot and then it's kind of progressed like everyone else naturally does you know i've tried a couple other companies some larger shops some smaller shops um and then you know, about 2015, I originally grew up uh, actually outside like the Philadelphia area, and I moved out to the Pittsburgh area. And instead of deciding to work for somebody else, I said, "Let's give it a shot and open up our own brokerage." So it was myself and uh, one other partner, literally like in a closet on milk crates and laptops, trying to get everything off the ground and rocking and rolling. And the rest is history. You just kind of keep you know keep moving forward from there.
0: So that was, you said that was about 2015. You said,
1: yeah, 2015. And you, you've, been a little, you've
0: been a broker owner basically now for about six years, right?
1: Yeah. September will be six years. That's when, uh, that's when we hit our six year marks. It's, it, it flies. It's really crazy. Um, I mean, that was before, that was actually probably low predating aim and all that. It was kind of, you know, there wasn't much guidance there. It was kind of just go for it and see what happens. And, uh, I mean, what you guys built is, is outrageous. You know, the the support and stuff you guys give is it's awesome. And even I think, you know, the growth that we've had recently is probably a good lot from aim, you know, going from a, tiny shop to like a medium-sized shop. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely an awesome adventure and exciting the whole way through.
0: You no, know, I appreciate those kind words. And I always tell everyone, you know, the the one thing that we never talk about in this business is how fast, because we're on these rate locks, you're trying to close by the end of the month. You're trying to, if every year flies by every time.
1: It does. You know, you know what it is? When you become, when you come into this industry, your units, your standard unit is months. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, what's going on next hour? What's going on next week? It's okay. How did this month go? How's next month going? What's our three month goal? What's our six month goal? So like when your, your smallest unit of measurement turns into a month, everything just flies.
0: (laughs) Never looked. See, there you go. Never looked at it that way. All
1: right.
0: So now you've had your shop for six years. It will be six years in September. Um, You've, you've obviously been through probably many changes. So talk to me about some trials and tribulations you went through. How did you come up with your processes and procedures? I mean, how many times, I mean, that's a dumb question because I bet you they've changed a hundred thousand times, but go through go through your process and procedure real quick for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing that we do in this office and that we have in our leadership meetings, we call it sidmr is this, this little acronym we made. It's just a stupid acronym we kind of made in, in-house here, S-D-M-R, which is set expectations and goals. The D is do it. M is measure and analyze, and R is repeat. Um, and that goes to our whole culture. We, the reason why we made it simple and, and like that, so that everyone could be on board with it. And we can kind of just say, you know, if there's ever a process, great. Try this. Do it. Go through the process. Rinse and repeat. So, I mean, our process and procedures, I mean, I, I can drill down as, as, as far as you want, as far as, you know, how we we bring loans to the, the company or what. I mean, elaborate a little more. How, how much detail do you want me to go into about our, our processes here?
0: Get Get into it, man. I want to know how you guys are getting your business, once you take an app, what happens with it, go. I, Cause a lot of people yeah. have different procedures and processes and, and I've always said, there's not one right or better than the other, but I, I love it because I get better ideas and I know everyone who's listening will get better ideas.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. So we are very strong process on the process side here. So what we really focus on is to try to make people experts in smaller portions of the process, right? So like as a single broker owner, an expert in everything you need to know how to originate you need to know how to be compliant you need to know how to be a processor you need to know half the time to be an underwriter so you can fight the underwriters you have to know how to be a closer you have to be post closer you know all that type of things so what we really focus on is trying to get you know the sales guys selling the processors processing the post close post closing the you know management looking over all that stuff so first and foremost we make it so loan officers sell and only sell in the office you know their their job is to take a watertight application, qualify the borrower, and if they do their job right, set the roadmap for the rest of operations. So once they take an application, they do the pre-approval, they do whatever they need to do. They uh, you know set the loan to the lender. We have a disclosure desk that will go ahead and do all that for them. So the loan officer goes, hey, file's ready to go. I've done my job. Everything's buttoned up. Looks good to go. Send it on to operations and set it and forget it. They If they do their job right, they should never have to get back in that file ever again until they're at the closing table and getting a paycheck from it. Um, and the way we do that is so there's a lot of checks and balances we found in place because, you know, some people are stronger application takers than others. So we put a lot of uh, like checks and balances. One of them would be like a scorecard. We have a LO scorecard. So what our, our disclosure desk does is they look at the file and then they grade them. And it's not even grading on quality. It's just grading on completeness. OK, is the full 1003 filled out? Um, do you have you know everything matching in the file that you should as far as does a sales contract match Is the address correct? Is earnest money on the application correct that's in the file? Is your pricing correct? Do you have a lender that you want to send it to? Basic, you know, checklist, things like that. But if they happen to miss something, it's public. And it goes out every Friday about, okay, hey, here's Jason. He has minus 10 on his scorecard. And then there's Mark who has a 100. Um, and, you know, just naturally as loan officers, no one wants to have the lowest grade across the company. Um, so we put those kind of checks and balances in place right at the beginning of the process. Um, that's more awesome. fun never- things.
0: I've never heard of that. That's absolutely awesome. Grade yourself and it's yeah. not to belittle anyone. It's just to get better.
1: Exactly. Just to get a little better. And we'll make it fun every once in a while. You know, that's, I think what we do is people get complacent. So if we don't make it fun every once in a while, um, people don't care about their score. So we'll throw in bonuses or, or like a gift card, like highest score the end of this month, it's a $100 gift card or, you know, something along those lines. Or they get 10 basis points off the next loan they lock or anything they want for the next one, a free appraisal for a client, whatever it is, something like that. Um, so they're constantly competing for it and it makes it so that the loan officer's job is only to you know qualify and fill out the application. And, and they kind of work together hand in hand. So sometimes when a, when a, when a file fails, it's because the application wasn't taken right. But sometimes because things are just missing, you know little basic things like oh, I didn't know the client had a gap of employment. Oh, I didn't know the client you know had two jobs or you know little things like that. So um, we really try to do as much as we can up front for the loan officers to just really make it a strong application. and if they do, they can just focus on getting more loans in and not have to worry about submitting loans, collecting STIPS. I mean, in theory, we allow them to not put a single document into the file if they feel confident enough doing that. You know, if it's a clean A-plus paper W-2 client, you know, they can just run a quick uh, VOE, qualify them, send it, and it's a processor's jobs to collect everything and get it through the rest of the process.
0: So basically, you go loan officer, and I've always agreed with that first application you take. I've always said shit in, shit out. You know what I mean, really? Hundred percent, one thousand percent. And then, secondly, you have a disclosure team. So after the disclosure team has it, where does it go then?
1: Sure, disclosure team. Their job is to just you know board it, lock it, send it, and then it gets assigned to, to our processors. And we have a uh, a pretty intricate. um, distribution group. So we were constantly looking at our processors and, you know, we do a little test here and there, but we kind of see what each individual processors load can be. So like processor A might be great at, you know, 20 loans, but as soon as they hit 23, we notice their pull through drops, their quality drops, they start missing things like that. So we have a very, very dynamic and live submissions, like submission, uh, or I guess, you know, assigning process to all the different processors. And that's what it does. It will go into rotation. So here comes Mark's loan. It gets disclosed. Now it goes to the processors. It'll get sent to our processor. Our processor opens it up, scans it. I mean, I almost call them pre-underwriters or you know, junior underwriters because they're they're very well trained. Um, and what they do is they, they scrub the, the file. Anything that the loan officer happened to put in the file, they'll use it. If not, they'll send out the welcome email to the client saying, you know, Hey Jane Smith, uh, my name is Jason. I'm the processor here in the file. Um, i need x y and z from you please send it to me this that and the other thing and then you know i'll get your file and i'm, I'm responsible for getting your file from here to declare to close we said you know they, they stack the file they get everything good they send it to the lender as soon as it comes back down um the you know they work on it again they collect any more steps this, that and the other thing and the loan officer shouldn't have to get involved you know unless the the client isn't responding the client's being difficult something like that the Loan officer might have to hop back in real quick just to save face things like that but yeah, it's their it's their job to get everything from title orders to get everything submitted um and getting getting it cleared to close. Uh, the one other thing I forgot to mention is we also have an appraisal desk too. And the, that appraisal desk, their job is just to manage appraisal orders all the time. Oh wow. So it's very big. Be- yeah, so at the very beginning when the uh when the appraiser when the loan gets set to the setup or the disclosure desk, the disclosure desk then pings the right people to order the appraisals and pings the processor and all that and out all the tasks and everything that we need. So then, that person is just the appraisal desk is just sitting there, ordering appraisals, managing and chasing the appraisers all day long, saying, "Hey, we need this. Why isn't there?" You know, you know how it is. Recently with these things, it's tough. It really is. So, again, that comes down to our focus. Like I said at the beginning, we're just trying to get people to be experts in smaller portions of the process. And you know, that that appraisal person can take you know 50, 60 orders in a month and, and manage them. Versus you have an LO who is trying to sell and then having to worry about an appraisal if it didn't happen, this that and the other thing. No, they just sell. Appraisal people just do appraisal things. Processors just do processor things. And, you know, they get to close and rock and roll.
0: Do your processors uh, do the closings too, or do you have a different department for that?
1: No, they do the closings as well. Um, we're kind of spinning off and we're getting to the size where we do kind of have a quote-unquote closer it's more just like the operations manager. What we do is a lot of times, you know, once it gets to the closing part, if the processor is busy, we tell them, hand it off to the manager all day and they'll worry about the closing part. So that is kind of a position that's evolving at this point. And I think it's the next step. So once it's clear to close, the processors can just go back to working off active files not having to worry about the, the back end. but that's going to be evolving to the next step. But yeah, so right now we kind of, kind of do kind of don't, it's kind of hybrid.
0: Yeah, no, no, I like it. And then the, the back end, after it closes compliance, do you have, what, what's that look like? Is it still the processors?
1: No, we have a uh, a post-close. So we have someone that's that works in post-close. Their responsibility is to, you know, button the whole file up, make sure it looks good. I mean, one of the most burdensome things is like getting our file to match the lender's file. You know, that's such a, a pain sometimes. It's like every little thing, loan amount, interest rate, you know, closing costs, all the dates, uh, employment, everything of that sort. So like that takes a lot of effort. I didn't realize how much it did. It takes a lot of like just human resources to do that, you know, people resources, just to go back in and clean the file up and everything like that. So we do have a post-close. She'll go into the file, um, she'll go through, you know, clean it all up, add everything, bring down all the docs, package it up, make it look nice, and and set it away for if you ever have a you know an auditor or reviewer that can get pulled out. In addition, that person's role is to withdraw loans too. So if someone's in the process, a loan gets withdrawn or the loan gets denied. It goes to them first so then they can analyze and say okay this is a withdrawal or no this is a approval but not accepted or this is a denial make sure all the stuff's in the file and everything got sent to the client for you know there's a 30-day um you know no action taken notice that was sent out before it's pulled for incompleteness little things like that so again having just like one person is super expert in the little parts because those little things you forget all the time like oh yeah this one's withdrawn for incompleteness well, did you actually send them a warning 30 days prior before pulling the incomplete and things like that? So um, we do have a post-close. I mean, we're just 100% broker, so we don't have to worry about, you know, shipping and funding right. and selling and all that shenanigans after that. But it's uh, she just does all like the, you know, compliance stuff and things like
0: that. It's oh, awesome. I love that. I love that process. It makes sense. Seems like it's working uh, working pretty darn well for you. So that's awesome. Sure. Um, it is. Okay. So with all that being said, what does your tax tech look like? I mean, because you got to have, quite a few technology or you know what we'll, we'll call it uh apps talking to each other
1: yeah absolutely um we keep it pretty basic all things considered i mean i feel like i'm a little guilty of like always wanting to buy the next best thing you know what i mean like sometimes i wish i had the job of selling me tech stuff because <laughs> you know i make a lot of money man because like you see the next it's great because there's all these awesome companies out there that are good at that stuff you see this cool thing like oh i just want that little thing that looks so cool but then it takes so much more just to get into it, right? So like we've, we, I personally made it a point to say, I try to keep it as simple as possible because of that fact. Um, but up front we use LendingPad as our LOS. Um, we use Blink as our POS and, uh, and Brand360 for all like the front end stuff. You know, that's, that's pretty much it. Our LendingPad is like our, we use that most for our, like our tasking system. That's how we do a lot of our, our tasking to different departments. Uh, it enables us to send tasks to certain people, um, send reminders and all that types of things. So LendingPad is pretty strong that way. Um uh, blink's great just for the application side of things. Beautiful part about it, it's free. Can't beat that. Um and then as 360 say, is awesome.
0: As I always say, me and Free get along really well.
1: Oh yeah, good friends. A thousand percent. Um and then for like a CRM we use accelerate Uh, and that was the big one. I have to give them a little bit of a shout out because I've been through a lot of different CRMs. And it's because you know there are a lot of good ones out there, but they take so many resources to build out and get it customized to how you want it for your exact you know, stack. They were like the the you know the concierge of of CRMs. They really helped me build it out, get it all cleaned up, make sure it integrated. Anytime you need help, they're there. They do most of it for you. It's not cheap, but they do a great job and you get what you pay for. Um, so we use accelerate and that talks really well with lending pad as well. So we again it comes down to like yeah, you know, making it all smooth. So when someone changes a date, said from initial submission to approved in lending pad. Now a whole set of triggers and things go out and accelerate, go out to the client, go out to real estate agents, all those different things, so that we can, you know, just keep that automation going. So people stay in touch and communication is key after the whole process. Um, another one that people really don't realize this one, Office 365. So many people use you know, um, Outlook or Word. Office 365 has so much automation capabilities and so many built-in tools that I wasn't even aware of until a couple of weeks ago and we started implementing. Um, you can really build it out strong. You know, we use Office 365 for our OneDrive, you know, to back everything up, our email. But you can do automations where, like, you know, if an email comes through with the word appraisal on it or this name on it, these three other people get pinged. Or if a file gets pulled in and it has this on there, it gets saved to this file and goes to this OneDrive and then all these different things. So, like, Office 365 is super, super, super powerful, That and it's pretty easy to use. I don't think many people realize that. Um, so we use that a lot and we're starting to use that a lot more for automation and we're trying to make things, you know, talk a little better to each other. They have like schedulers in there, different like easy forms and surveys you can send out, like all the stuff that I always thought you needed to have this fancy developer for. They make it easy enough for me to use. It's like one big button. It's like, do you want this? Yes. Do you want that? No. Do you want this? Yes. And it works, you know, across the board.
0: Um, uh, I've, 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 I've heard, that heard that you, one, I, I like it. I mean, It's another resource, and that's what that's what this is all about: is giving as many people as many resources as we can.
1: Yeah, thousand percent. Obviously, it's it's super, super helpful, and it's really easy to use. It's it's great. I bet you most people use it, don't even have it, don't even realize that it's all there to use too. On top of it, um, trying to think, what else we have? Uh, Post close. We use signpost, you know, for reviews. So we're constantly pinging people for reviews um, after with signpost, and then uh, Kahoot for training. That's a fun one. Have you ever experienced a Kahoot?
0: Yeah, I have. I have done Kahoot. Uh, we did a little fundraiser for one time for, for my kid's school.
1: Yeah. And that's great. I mean, it's it's so cheesy, but it works so well. You know, it's it, people look at this like, what are you getting me into? And then you hear them, you know, complaining about it. This looks like, you know, my, my son's kindergarten education. But then in the background, you hear people talking like, oh, I beat that person. I got this little clicker. You know, <laughs> it works. It really does. And it's great. And it comes down to that, like, friendly competition again, you know, across the board. Um,
0: So you make your own, you make your own, right? So is that how you kind of do some training too?
1: Yeah, that's hundred percent how we do some training, you know, constant cahoots, um, you know, constant, just little, little information here and there. There's like, I mean, put yourself in the seat of somebody, you know, when someone blasts you with all this information, you're in a seminar, you're in a class learning about something, you're thinking about the loans you need to get closed. You're thinking about that, that realtor that you're dealing with. Like no one actually retains much information during a quick class. But the follow-up is, is, is the fortune in the follow-up. You know, if you, if you set something up where you can, you know, three days later, just quiz people on the basics and stuff that you wanted them to know, they'll retain it a lot longer, especially if it's a competition, especially if they have to beat their coworkers at it too. And it really just, you know, helps people retain it and learn all the information.
0: Nice. So, okay. So speaking of training, how many, how many loan officers do you have right now?
1: Uh, about active loan officers, I think there are 16 active loan officers.
0: That's awesome. So, how was uh? Tell me about your training slash onboarding process. What did that look like?
1: Um, well, I mean, it starts from the very beginning, a thousand percent. So, like when we bring somebody on, um, even just from the interview process, it has to be like the, the wow factor, right? From the very, very beginning. So, I'll, I'll take you from the very beginning if someone comes into our company, we got, you know, a loan officer is going to come in for an interview. The first thing we do, as soon as they walk into our door, we'll have like a, a whiteboard or an easel out there that says, you know, welcome Mark to Lending Heights. And we'll make sure that we have, um, you know, one or two people there to welcome them. In addition, we'll have a couple of team members call that person and say, hey, Mark, my name is Jason. I'm a processor here at Lending Heights. Um, I was talking to my sales manager, you know, Kristen, and she mentioned that you are, uh, you're coming into interview. That's great. If you have any questions about the processing side of things from, you know, someone that's in the weeds, let me know. You have, here's my, here's my number. We can talk about anything. So then they come in. Yeah, you know, they, they go through the interview process, they sit down, we always make sure that they leave with something in hand. If it's a koozie, if it's a pen, if it's a t-shirt or something like that, sit them down, interview them, talk them through, give them a tour of our, our, our place here, show them the energy, show them all that. And, you know, if they're a good fit, we'll figure it out from there. I mean, the interview process is pretty flawed, right? I mean, that's how I look at it. When does anybody come into an interview and say, I'm going to be an okay employee, Right. No one does. You know, it's flawed, and you know you're going to try to impress people. They're asking questions. You're going to shoot it out. So we found that like trying to break break down the barriers as much as possible during the interview process helps. Um, some of the things that we do during that is one, we'll we'll take them over to the shuffleboard table and play a quick shuffleboard game. Like, hey, come over here. Let's play a quick shuffleboard game. You know, kind of just break it down, and make it more comfortable. Um, we'll do some like role playing. So like if we're hiring for like an LO position. Well, you know, even if they have not know nothing about mortgages, we will send them out a little script and say, hey, learn these five points. And then you're going to sell this to me when you get in here. You know, we get in here, we turn back to each other and then start, you know, hey, you see how they react to see how they are in this scenario. Put a little heat on them, put a little pressure on them and see if they, uh, you know, how they respond, if they respond well or not, because, you know, it's about hiring, you know, character and hiring work ethic and teaching skills, you know, and that's, that's kind of like, you know, figure out in that, in that whole process. Um but then it comes down to setting the expectations and, and making sure that they're training and that you're following up with it. I mean, I'm I'm sure we've all worked at a company before where here's your desk, here's your computer, this is what you're supposed to do, go. And you're just like, okay, I'm gonna try to do the best I can, but you start doing it a little bit and it's not what they want. And they say, no, you're doing it wrong, you know, or you, you don't know what to do it's overwhelming. It, it stinks and you're you know, it's not enjoyable type of thing. So we do a lot, a lot of training. Um inix, that's a big one that we use. So for a brand new loan officer coming on, we'll put them through Inix, um, get them through all that training. We'll have them shadow somebody. We'll use Success Track. We'll send them up to UWM. Or recently, it's been you know virtual. We will use Success Track, and then we make sure that we have at least like three days a week of training on top of that, where they're just immersed in all of it uh, over and over and over again. Like a, a brand new loan officer coming on with no experience with us, you know, probably doesn't hit the sales floor for ninety to one hundred twenty days. You know, just concentrating, constant, you know. Learning and all that stuff, uh, and same on the operations side too. I'll come in. We'll do a lot of training. We make every one of our processors, if you're experienced or not, go through like the basic index training. I think it's what 40 hours maybe of training they have up front of just basic you know mortgage knowledge, and it's as much training as possible over and over. Have them shadow, and then we slowly integrate them into our process. And then the fortune in the, the follow up. You know, we we'll always sit down with them three weeks, you know, six weeks, nine weeks later, and say, hey, how are things going? This is where we you you're doing great. This is where I think you can improve. How do you feel you're doing? You know, those basic those basic conversations just to see how, how everything is and really feel them out if they're happy here or they're not, and those things.
0: That's great. No, I No, I love it, I love it. Now, okay, so you use, I see how you do all your training. Uh, you've owned your company for six years. You, do you still originate? I don't, I do not okay, originate. So how did you make that transition? because I know a lot of people start out as one, two man shops, they're originating and we're all control freaks here. Pretty much. How did you let go?
1: I don't know if I ever really did. I think I still think back of my
0: head.
1: <laughs> Um, but no, it, that is absolutely one of the hardest things to do. It's so hard to do. Um, I remember when I did it, August, 2018, that was the date. That was the month I stopped. Cause it was like such a milestone for me to be like, all right, Jason, put it down, You'll be good it'll be okay just put it down things will work out for the best um so how did i do it i, I really just set the expectations um you know i went through our whole similar process again um, i made sure that one it was more internally to tell myself so i made sure that i had people trained around me to understand exactly what the expectations were um and then two you know i was just super involved in the whole process where it was like okay if I'm not originating, I'm going to make sure all my originators are originating and going as strong as possible. So, you know, I put my seat out there in the sales floor next to everybody. I was constantly looking over people's shoulder just to make sure that, you know, my biggest fear was that, you know, all the production would drop and, you know, we would go under, you know, all those types of things. Um, so it was just really set setting expectations internally to do it and making sure that the support team was there and everybody was trained up and ready to rock and roll, um, you know, to kind of make the transition. But it was really more of just a, a band aid. rip. Just do it. Go.
0: And, and figure it out later same thing okay i love it um all right so you you're you run the shop now you're not you're basically in charge of it well you are you're in charge of everyone and also with that comes is just like a, a team and company culture explain to me your culture a little bit and how how did you get there
1: yeah um so i mean we take a lot from all the, all the great wholesale letters that we have you know we there's there's a lot of huge companies out there in the mortgage space and outside the mortgage space that they've kind of figured it out already. They don't need to like reinvent the wheel. It's kind of just picking the things that you like from all that and kind of putting it all in there. So it starts from day one, right? And it starts from leadership down. So if I come in, it's like it's like telling somebody, "Hey, you have to be in the office at nine o'clock, but I show up at ten o'clock every day." No one's gonna no one's gonna follow that culture. It's a terrible, terrible way of doing anything. So it's, it starts with the top up. So our leadership here, we make sure that. In and out, up and down, everything they do, you know, extrudes that culture um, through just you know communications through everything, and we make it very clear what our culture is, and and, and use that as a backboard, you know, like the one that UWM uses all the time with thumb pointers, right? So when like, we we definitely have taken that from them 1,000% and use something similar in the office, and it's like, okay, here's the problem. Great, what could I have done better? Hey, you know, Mark, as your as your leader, I could have trained you a little better. What could have you've done better? You know, like. It's kind of elementary, but like you just constantly have to be doing it. It has to be in the front of everything. First thing is, okay, in this situation, what part of what, what pillars or what part of our culture does this match and how can we have fixed it type of thing? So it's making sure that it's always up front and it's it's in the expectations. Back to like the whole onboarding and everything. The first piece of paper I give people when we interview is like, you know, our quote unquote pillars. Like this is what Lending Hikes is all about. Please read these. If you don't think, if you think these are cheesy, if you think these are, are weird, great, nice to meet you. There's the door, you know, type thing. So we, we start from the ground up and it really has to be woven deep, deep, deep into the fabric of everything. Um, every week we have our sales call, we'll go over, we'll go over one of our, our cultures or something that was like, hey, this is a great example of how this person did that culture, or here's a great example of how this was not our culture and things like that. Um, so like it's, it just really has to be, like I said, just like woven deep, deep, deep into the fabric. You have to spend time doing it. That's the thing. You can't just be like, yep, we are thumb pointers. And then you start running around, but like, you did this and you did that. Like it really starts from the top down. So like the it took a lot of training personally, internally for myself, just to be like, all right, these are the cultures. Stop, think about it. How do you move forward with it? Again, like every situation. Cause there's times where you're just like you, you know, you want to say, like, well, why did you do that? <laughs> At what point did you think this choice was a good idea? You know, like right, right. things like that, or like, oh crap, I should have done that, or that was a big mistake, you know, like little things like that. So it's kind of just like Everything has to be translated into the culture and then communicated.
0: Love it. Love it. All right. So give me some examples of what do you guys do? Give me something where, where, when I look at lending heights, I go, Oh, that's something cool that they do.
1: Yeah. So we, we constantly like a big thing, COVID kind of threw a a wrench into it, but we always throw big company events, right? Um, Every, every month. Well, we used to have happy hours, top golf, golf outings. Like we make it a point to, give back to the community and also include the community. So like every month, our team can absolutely look forward to something huge. Um, because of COVID that kind of threw a huge wrench into things, but we had like a big awards ceremony, um, you know, a couple months ago where you know, we had to rent out a, a venue three times the size that we needed so we could stay spaced out and all that. Give out, excuse me, a lot of recognition and things of that sort. Um, our LO scorecard that we talked about at the very beginning, that's a big part of the culture where people compete just for, you know, rankings and and. And submissions and closings and things like that um, another most recent one is we had a shuffleboard tournament so i created a whole you see it on our facebook page too so you can document it if you guys you know if you want any interest in it and see how we did it you can see it on our facebook page at lending heights we pretty much put together you know an april or march Madness bracket randomly pulled things and the entire company competed on shuffleboard and the winner won we called it the prestigious award which is you know a plastic trophy and uh and gift cards um so you know they're constantly Coming in and it's a great way for people to interact too. It's like processes, actually, you're interacting with the loan officers when it's not a an issue. You know, it's it's for more pleasure and things like that. So company events we do all the time. The the shuffleboard competition. Now that things are opening back up, you know, we're gonna just keep pushing for those types of you know social events and things like that.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I love it. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing that we have to enjoy a little bit more is is the people that are around us. I, I I think. I mean, there's there are so many good people in our industry, and you know, we get stressed out. We're so focused on turn times and closing and how we do all this stuff, but the, you know, we got to really celebrate the people around us.
1: You really do. I mean, especially last year, like all anyone that made it through last year, we all came out way stronger because there was points I'm sure in everyone's position where it's kind of like first you're scared. Oh my gosh, you know. Where are the loans? What's going to happen? And then it was like drinking from a fire hydrant. And it's like too much. How do we do this? What's going on? Like everything's breaking down. And it's so hard to keep that, you know, stability through everything and keep people happy when they're like, you know, recruiters are going crazy and and banks are changing guidelines every day. And keeping everything together was uh, definitely tough, but we're all definitely stronger from it. And you learned a lot about people's characters and everything coming through that whole thing and and make good friends too. You know, people that band together and got through it now, It's almost like, you know, we're not, our production probably hasn't dropped nearly as much as that has increased since when, you know, the quote unquote refi boom happened. And, but now we don't feel stressed about it because we kind of know what to expect. We've learned to work through it. Not when like, you know, like I said, drink from a fire hydrant. It was like, everyone's like, you know, on wit's end. Everyone's freaking out, going crazy. But now, you know, we're kind of used to it. It's it's leveled off and now we figured out, great, we've been through that. (laughs) That's nothing. Let's keep going. Just double it. Let's keep, you know, keep going. That was nothing
0: yeah I know and and I I started this business in two thousand and one I'm gonna tell you right now I learned a lot you you hit the nail on the head I learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about a lot of other people as well so but you're right we hey I've always said this and it's I'm probably a broken record but I truly think mortgage brokers loan officers processors closing anyone who's in this industry are the most adaptive people out there
1: oh yeah I don't disagree with you at all from every single aspect of it you just you- it's because it's like, a, it's, it's a very unique industry. I always think about like, why, you know, why are that? Is it like that? It's because it's an industry where like, you always have to make sure the next person's satisfied. Right. And I don't know if there's that many industries that are like that. Um, yeah. That's a service industry. But for example, you know, as a mortgage broker, we have to make sure the client, the real estate agent, they're all satisfied. But in addition, we have to make sure that our lender is satisfied you know, to make sure that we're okay that way. And then the lender has to make sure that their investor is satisfied and if it, that's where it stops, if not, they got to make sure that the GSEs are satisfied. You know what I mean? So like at the very beginning, we got to make sure all the all four of them are satisfied plus the front end, you know, right at this point. So it's you have to be super adaptive. You have to be, you know, you have to be the smartest person in the transaction and, and make everyone else think they are sometimes, you know, like yep. just, to, just to keep it the glue and keep everything going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right, we're we're, we're winding down here, but uh, I always like to close this with basically saying, "Hey, the floor is yours." You've been you're you're a veteran in this industry. You know, there's a bunch of new people coming in. We got a, you know other veterans that have been in this or that have been in this industry for a long time. So, what's your one thing you want to get across, to everyone, or, or one piece of advice that you would love to give out? There's there's like a hundred,
1: but if I had to uh, take it from the top, I would say. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's one of the things that I kind of you know took to heart, and it's worked. Like, things aren't going to go right. You know, like I said, you have to please the six people after us and during this process. So, like, if you can embrace, you know, there's no such thing as problems. They're just, just opportunities. You know, that's how you got to look at it. Every time there's a, a speed bump or something in the road, that's just an opportunity to learn from it, get better, and and you know, just get better at learning and getting better. You know, simple as that. So, like, you kind of have to focus on getting better part and not not looking back at all those things so i would say you know get comfortable being uncomfortable and just keep you know chopping your feet think of it like when i played high school football it was you know when, when the sled wasn't moving what did you do you just kept chopping your feet and eventually that huge heavy machine just kept going and next thing you know you're dragging it 10 15 yards and it keeps going down the down the you know down the gridiron and the momentum just keeps going and everything like that so um yeah just keep chopping and then you know there's always light at the end of the tunnel, you know, at the other side So just, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's how you learn best. Cause when you're, when everything's comfortable, you're good. You know, there's only opportunities and there's no problems to worry about. You just keep rocking and rolling, raging and growing this broker space.
0: Yeah. I, have, I've been using the term. And even uh, I actually coach high school basketball as well. And I've, I've been using the term a lot, embrace the suck. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Someone someone handed me that that book. um Gleason, I, I'm, I'm blanking on his first name, but um yeah, I, I got the book the other day. Brace the suck, and it's really funny. One of our loan officers, I had it, I put it right on his desk the other day. As soon as you walked in, the first thing you saw was his book. that had the title across it: Embrace the suck, uh, and it's so true. It really is. Like once you once you get comfortable, like bring on all the problems. You know what I mean? Like it's to the point where. Some guys come in my office, and they're just like, I have this huge problem, problem that's going on. The real estate agent's angry, all that. And I was like, look, this is, the, this is the mindset that I'm going to go into this with. At the end of this conversation, we're going to try to get this real estate agent to say thank you and say, this is a great experience. So you know, they come in screaming, yelling, saying, this is the worst experience ever. I can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to do everything in my power, and I'm going to think about it. Just say, OK, how am I going to get them to say, well, thank you, Jason. That was great. You know Dan the conversation, right. It's hard to do, but you just go in there like, all right, I got this. I'm gonna make him say thank you to me at the end of this. And uh, that's how you should go with every every single like I said, there's no there's no problem. We call them opportunities here. Just go into the opportunity, thinking of like, think of it like that.
0: Yeah, and one one other thing that I got from you, Jason, is the fact that you know, you didn't say it in these words, but you you have no problem like trying new things and going through trials and tribulations of everything. Just try it. Who cares? It might work, it might not.
1: 1000%. Uh, that's another line item that we put right in our interviewing process. If you don't like change, we are not the place for you. I make that very explicit. And we, we put it into our culture where we are trying to change all the time. You know, like every meeting, it's like, okay, at the very end of the meeting, we just have a quick little section. Okay, give us some change ideas. If we talk about like, you know, what can change? And I mean, I tell people, throw anything at the wall to see if it sticks, you know, and then we'll talk it out. You know, I've, when people don't have an idea, they'll, they'll start coming up with like, you know, things that are so, abstract but then you can take little nuggets from that and work with it but change is great change is a great thing um i mean like you said before you know people's industry are super adaptive it's because this industry makes us adaptive too like the industry wasn't the same it was six months ago it wasn't the same it was a year ago it wasn't the same it was 10 years ago it's going to keep changing so like only you can do is like i said chop your feet and changing with it if you try to stay stagnant and complacent you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere you know what i mean so change you gotta embrace the change and then keep going with it. But yeah, we love trying new things. I think some of my employees probably won't agree with me when I say I love trying new things. Cause you know, they're kind of like, why are we doing it this way? Like we, we just tried this. We just changed it. But at the end of the day, everyone always grows. And you know, as long as they understand that if we did make the wrong choice, we'll change quickly and try to you'll find the right choice. But yeah, change is great, man. All day.
0: Yeah. And one thing you said there and what, and what, I, what I do personally is I have two meetings with, um, I'm with my broker shop. I have two meetings a year, uh with each employee and there's three things that we have to cover one i have to cover what i think they can get better at constructive criticism number two is what i they tell me what i can get better at And number three is they got to come in with something that they would like to see changed or added to our company
1: yeah it's i mean that's where you get all your feedback from like you know i'm i'm definitely not the smartest person in the room ever you know i mean the only thing i can control is be the hardest working person in the room that's about it but you get all your ideas from everybody around you you know I mean? that's why you hire maybe it's a steve jobs quote you know, we don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. We hire smart people for them to tell us what to do. Right. And, you know, you, and you gotta be, you, but the thing is, you gotta be open minded to that. You know what I mean? It's very easy to get, let your ego and pride get in the way where it's like, you know, I designed this process, it's the best. You know, like that, it, that's like a personal one for me. But no, Jason, there's probably so many things you didn't think about and so many things that like other people have great ideas just because you designed it doesn't mean that, you know, there's so many other ways they could change. So, like, you definitely gotta get the input from everybody and, and be open to it. Not only just be open to it, but actually try it too. Like, I've, there's been a couple of instances where I could think of, like, someone's like, just do it like this. In my mind, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like the right thing at all, but we're just gonna try it. And then, like, doing it, we're like, oh, well, great, that kind of works. This is actually excellent. Like, great job. Give me another one. Let's go. You know, <laughs> keep going with these ideas. Um, but yeah, it comes down to change and it comes down to the whole culture too. Like, we talked about before, like, people gotta be expecting change and they have to be okay with it. You know what I mean? Because then, then people are just miserable. And when, when one person's miserable, it, you know, Misery Lakes company, things spread, and, and it just brings down the whole, you know, morale of the entire company. So it's about setting the expectations and everything. You know, when it comes to originating, set the expectations. Like, hey, yes, this is a very difficult file. It's going to take 45 days to close. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And there's probably a 10% chance it doesn't close because of this, that, and the other thing. Um, versus, you know, setting expectations for our employees. Like, when you come work here, we expect you to follow these guidelines, you know, these culture points. And we expect you to be able to change and change a lot. Like you said, right now, if this isn't for you, you know, walk out the door because it's. this is what you're going to expect. You know, put it in there, and then keep following up with it too. Where it's like, hey, three weeks in, you know, how everything going? Don't forget, these are the cultures. Don't forget, change. You know, until they really get used to it. So once we have those, you know, like I said, like the the three, six, um, nine week meetings for everybody, we just keep reiterating what our culture is. Like you know, hey, do you have any questions about it? You know, those types of things, and you know, you, if they stay for like 90 days, I think they're, they're staying for life or until another opportunity comes down the line, but you know, they're staying for the longer term versus the shorter term.
0: Love it. Absolutely. Love it. Well, Jason, Hey, listen, thank you. Thank you for all the knowledge you have given us today. I know we're all super busy still, but you're taking time out of your day, uh, to, to, you know, drop knowledge on us and can't appreciate you enough for that.
1: I mean, right back at you guys, like I said, uh, we opened up in 2015, but I think our explosive growth has been from AIM and all the support and all the network and all the brokers are better, all that stuff. So right back at you. And, you know, I'm open to anything. If anyone has any questions, comments, concerns, I'm always open to chat and learn from everybody. There's a lot more we can learn, too.
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Jason. And, you know, once again, thank you for joining us. And uh, brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker-to-broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you can download uh, podcasts. So please rate our podcast and leave a review. Subscribe. It helps us get the the podcast out there and spreads the word that Brokers Are Better. So once again, Jason, thank you. Everyone, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode. Join our Brokers Are Better Facebook group. Be a part of the Brokers Are Better movement by joining the exclusive group for A-members and independent mortgage brokers to share best practices, network, and help our community grow. Head over to Facebook and search for Brokers Are Better, select the group and click to join.